You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey. How's it going? Feeling good today. I'm, I'm excited for Jonathan. Who's Jonathan and why are we excited for them? <laughs> Thanks for lobbing that up there, <laughs> Charles Boyle. Jonathan S. is the winner of our contest, our review contest. So I want to say thank you to everybody for submitting reviews and shooting us messages. And a special thanks to folks who also sent feedback personally to, to info at sexwithdrjess.com because we do read it all and uh, we do find it really helpful and we try and take it into ac- account and you know change things for the better. Of course, we can't do every single thing because not everybody wants the same thing but really do appreciate it i did get some comments about sound about sometimes the interviews being too quiet from the guest and then we're too loud and so we are always working on those things i'm hoping that the course of the last year the quality has been you know significantly better in terms of sound but you know we are we're recording from home right now we have a one room in our house set up as a studio but it's not a professional studio we call it the studio but it's it's not. And we've recorded from, you know, wild places, like hiding in a closet to try and find, not here at home, but when we're on the road. So I really do appreciate your patience, your feedback, really open to hearing from you as well. So thank you so much. And a big congratulations to Jonathan S. Jonathan has won. I'm lobbing it up for you. A wee vibe touch, my absolute favorite toy of all time personally. And we're going to be sending it out. So they've come up with a new version called the Touch X, but the wee vibe touch, that original is still my favorite. And I have a feeling they're going to be, I'm guessing, discontinuing soon since they have the newer version. So Jonathan's going to be receiving one of those touches and hopefully they love it as much as I do. And we will be in touch with you, Jonathan, to set that up. Again, thank you so much to everyone who entered and please do keep sending your feedback and your questions. And that's exactly what we're going to do today and that is answer some of your questions because there are so many questions coming in and honestly I'm not able to keep up with all of them Uh, many of them come in through the website some through Instagram and uh, we're going to talk about the first set of questions on ruined orgasms so I have these questions on what is a ruined orgasm is it the same as a forced orgasm does a ruined orgasm mean you don't have an orgasm is it really just edging have you ever had a ruined orgasm I'd love to know what a ruined orgasm is, but I have ruined my own <laughs> orgasms, if that is, is what it is. You know, when you get in your own head and you're like, why did I think about that while I'm finishing, while I'm climaxing? Like, why did that thought come into my mind? Like what? Really? You yeah. want to know? Yeah, I want to know. You, my father-in-law? Well, why did it come into your mind? It's cause because he came into the room. <laughs> pro- I could hear him downstairs. And, and listen, I love the guy, but don't want to be thinking about that. I've thought about work. And I'm like, why am I thinking about work right now? Literally while you're coming? Yes. Something has popped into my head. And I'm just, and while it's happened, I'm like, this killed it. This destroyed it. So so what you're describing is a type of ruined orgasm. Ruined orgasm that is, I think, inadvertent, maybe due to what you're describing, like a distraction or an intrusive thought. You know, maybe someone walks in on you. Just... I thought you were going to say a ruined orgasm also when somebody slaps your penis. I mean, that could be a good orgasm <laughs> yeah, for some I mean, people. I guess it depends. For me, that would be a ruined orgasm. Okay, note to self. Don't <laughs> slap Brandon's penis don't, don't. at orgasm. Yeah, yeah so sometimes it, it just happens inadvertently. But oftentimes when we talk about a ruined orgasm, we're talking about an orgasm that is not particularly pleasurable as part of DS play, so dominant submission play, where the dominant, for example, might stop stimulation 
right before orgasm. So let's just say, for example, you like to keep stroking right before, during, or through orgasm to kind of keep the pleasure going, right? So you might stop or be told to stop a few seconds early so that you maybe experience the muscular contractions and maybe even ejaculation for some people that tend to accompany orgasm, but you don't necessarily get the climactic pleasure. And so this can be tied to the physical components of BDSM or maybe even the emotional elements. Like maybe you like to experience or play with feelings of frustration or loss of control or anger or embarrassment or even humiliation. You might also, so you could also use emotional or psychological components to ruin the orgasm. So your partner, for example, might continue the physical stimulation that brings you to orgasm, but then say something that is off-putting to create a dissonance that ruins the orgasm. So you can still have all the physical sensations, but maybe they say something that makes you feel embarrassed or humiliated. And again, we're talking about within the context of consent. Like, it's not like they just mm -hmm. randomly do this. You've talked about <laughs> what it is you're into. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, what, what can I say to you to, like, embarrass you or ruin your orgasm? Um, I... I off the top of my head, I, you could remind me of the things that I've told you have ruined my orgasms before. Could be say like there's poop on your penis without yeah, that, ruining your that, orgasm. That would not that would not work out for me. All right, would not. So yes, that is one of the many. What if I plucked a hair from a ball while you were coming? First of all, I, I don't think I have. <laughs> But but second of all, why would... Hang on, are you upset because I just, I'm saying you have a hairy ball? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm picturing like a ball sack with really long hairs on it right now. Some of them do. That's okay. Of course it's okay. I'm not disputing you that it's okay. You just you want, you want to... I just don't have it. So the fact that I have this straggler that apparently you've found and then felt the need to pluck but if I did, while I'm climaxing. But if I did find a straggler, you know I love to pluck a hair. Yeah, we, I've, I've, yes. If I have um, an eyebrow hair that's kind of out because i do i totally get my eyebrows done and every now and then especially during the pandemic haven't been able to i, I can see you <laughs> zeroing in with the tweezers wanting to clean them up hang on i want to shout out my uh I'm not going to say his name. A friend in Calgary, we were out uh, one night after a show and I had tweezers in my purse and he had a stray hair and at the bar, I plucked it. I think that was after a few beverages. Yeah, the good kind of beverages. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so if we go back to the ruined orgasms, so you can do it on purpose. It can be physical. It can be emotional. It can be psychological, but also you can do it inadvertently. And the eroticization of the ruined orgasm can come from different areas. So it may have to do with power dynamics or that loss of control and that can tie into these emotions that we subvert from negative to positive. So obviously, you know, in real life, most people don't want to feel humiliated, but maybe you learn to eroticize humiliation and kind of take it back. Would that not eventually become, because if that was something that somebody really enjoyed, that loss of control, the subversion, wouldn't that, I'm curious as to whether that in itself would actually become an orgasmic trigger in the future. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it could be. So Absolutely you start with be. something that ruins and eventually it works towards something that actually enhances. Right, it could be. And just because something isn't pleasurable in the way that we see as erotically or sexually pleasurable doesn't mean that it doesn't still feel good, right? So when I describe like an orgasm where maybe I stop stroking early and then you get the physical components but not that orgasmic release, there's something about that that could be appealing to some people. And, and then the other piece is there can be that subversion of socially dominant 
norms or expectations, right? So you're supposed to orgasm in one particular way. And that that pressure can be so extreme for so many of us. So letting go of that with a ruined orgasm can feel really good. For some people, it's really about role play or experimenting with punishment or other outcomes. And so again, you're kind of discussing your boundaries and desires ahead of time. You're checking in with each other. You're paying attention to aftercare. And so this can all be part of, you know, consensual, pleasurable sex play. They also ask some questions about forced orgasm. So generally with forced orgasm, your pleasure isn't limited. Like you can still lack control. So your partner might tie you up and continue to stimulate you with kind of no refractory period, but the orgasms are not intended to be limited in pleasure. Whereas usually with ruined orgasms, they are. And of course there are different definitions for different people. Some people, the person's also asking if a ruined orgasm means that you don't have an orgasm. And that's interesting because it goes back to the fact that there's no universal terminology. Because I've heard people talk about ruined orgasms as orgasms that don't happen, but even the experience of orgasm is subjective, right? If we define orgasm by a pleasurable release of tension that, you know, is often accompanied by muscular contractions, you might say that a ruined orgasm isn't an orgasm because you're not getting that pleasurable release, right? But what if you have an orgasm where you don't have muscular contractions, right? Like maybe you don't enjoy it. So I I don't know. I think you can define it kind of any way you want. And then this person was also asking about whether or not it's different than edging. And so edging generally refers to building to pleasure via kind of peaks and valleys. It's kind of part of building an undulating crescendo to a more powerful orgasm. So it's sort of different than ruined orgasm, which is detracting from some pleasurable component of orgasm. However you define that. So what do you think? I think it's all very interesting. I I like hearing about edging because I used to edge without knowing what edging was. And it really, it did just enhance the orgasm so much, so much. How do you do it? Well, how did I did it by slowing down. And when I felt like I was at the that point of no return or getting very, very close to it, I would stop. I don't know if you remember years and years and years ago when, when we were having sex, that's what I would do is I would say I would stop us and not for long periods of time, just long enough that I could control the physiological sensation so that I wouldn't get, so that I wouldn't orgasm. But that was, I mean, I didn't, and I didn't know at the time that I was edging, but it was really, it was fun. I didn't do it every time, but it was Have fun. Have you stopped doing it? Well, I, I think lately I have. Hmm. I haven't I haven't taken the time because I found that edging was something where having sex, re- like for me, resulted in a longer process because I'd build myself up and then I'd stop and I'd be okay and then build myself up. So having sex was a longer uh, activity, whereas lately it hasn't been. I mean, I've enjoyed the sex, but <laughs> the sex, but it's just not something that we've taken a really long time to mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking because I was also thinking about doing like a relationship and sex check-in. Maybe we'll do that next week. But I don't feel like we're taking the time lately. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. I feel like I enjoy the sex that we're having, but it hasn't been something that we've really carved out time to do. And I think that that's also my own own behavior and and what I tend to do. I rush sex. Do you not? You don't agree? No, I think you take forever now. It's a guy got to go back to work. No, what I mean is I rush sex in that oh, you always squish I always always do it close to when I have something to do. Yeah. Where if I have to leave at one thirty, I'm going to start at 1 o'clock. Yeah, or... like the other morning we were supposed to go for breakfast where I was going to steal the small bottles of Nutella from the table. Those of you that know Jess, that's her jam. Literally, in fi- like... <laughs> 
I took some jam and I took some Nutella. Yes. They're for me. They're on my table. They're the, baby jars. The I got baby the baby jars. And I, yeah, you tried to have sex with me and I was thinking like, well, what about the Nutella bottles? What if I don't have time to get the Nutella bottles? <laughs> That's what you were thinking while we were... <laughs> no, when you tried so. to have sex with me. Once we started, I was, I was all in it. I'm just joking. Here's the thing though. You know, when I say we don't take the time as of late... I actually, I'm not saying it with judgment. Like, I'm not really complaining or saying, oh, we should, because there's so much pressure, right? Like, to do everything. And today I'm pretty wiped. I was up very late and up very early because mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a night person and a morning person. And so I don't feel badly about it. I think, I don't know, I just want to say that if we're not taking as much time and it's still feeling good and we're still feeling connected, it's also okay. I completely agree. I don't feel bad that we're not carving out more time for sex. I've just noticed that it's not something that we've taken a long time to focus on. Yeah. We have sex. I really enjoy it. But and it's not a long drawn out process. No, not at all. And maybe in the future we will have longer drawn out sessions. Maybe we'll, what is it, sting? Sting it up oh, you know, through days of sex. And then brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's go back to talking about orgasms because I have another question here about how to have a sleep orgasm and are they real? How can that happen? So people can have orgasms in their sleep. And one theory as to why we have orgasms in our sleep suggests that it's a way to release sexual tension. So others suggest that they're actually tied to dreams or they arise in response to repressed desires. And they're all just theories. But research reveals that sex dreams are actually not that common. So there was one study of students and it revealed that they only dream about sex an average of nine times a year. This is young men. They think about sex daily. There was another study that found that college-aged men think about sex 18 times a day. But they're only having sex dreams, and I don't mean like ejaculation, just sex dreams more generally, nine times a year. And so there's this disparity between this incidence of sex dreams versus sexual thoughts. That also makes me think, I don't know, do dreams really reflect our daily thoughts and desires? Our sex dreams obviously don't always reflect our real desires. Like I dreamt about things I really don't want to do. But I do want to say that people of all genders can actually have orgasms in their sleep or wet dreams. Cis men are twice as likely to report orgasms in their sleep versus women. Uh, women also may be less likely to notice or remember sleep orgasms because there might not be like evidence like ejaculate in the bed. And I would say people are more likely to have sex dream than an actual orgasm. And then I also got a question about why it's easier for some people to have an orgasm in their sleep versus orgasm during sex. This is from somebody who has experienced this and they want to understand why. And I was thinking that it's probably tied to the fact that when you're asleep, you're maybe more easily able to relinquish inhibitions and pressure and responsibilities and gender roles and other expectations. And I was looking into the research around sex dreams and there's a theory that they might be the result of heightened, I'm, I'm going to mess up this word, <laughs> dopamine Energetic. <laughs> Dopin dope it's D dopamine. Dopaminergic? Yeah. Can you yeah. I don't know. Dopamine Dope I still can't say it. Dopamine. I'm probably not even pronouncing it properly. Dopaminergic. Yes. Dopaminergic systems in conjunction with just a change in the way the prefrontal regulatory systems work. So the idea is that our prefrontal cortices help to control our sexual desires when we're awake because you can't act on every sexual desire you have. But as the system gears down during the sleep cycle, our reward centers kind of make way for all these different types of dreams. So I thought that was an interesting and very challenging theory. 
<laughs> Did they make any reference to at what age cis men tend to stop having wet dreams or orgasms in their sleep? So they tend to be more common among younger people and especially people who aren't, what I've heard anecdotally, um, masturbating, right? So if you're not giving yourself the release, you'll just get the release in your sleep. Oh, I can tell you that that is not correct. <laughs> As a teenager, I didn't have a ton of, but I certainly had wet dreams and it was like the sheet touched my penis or something and, or like a <laughs> gust of wind came through my room and all of a sudden. But I, it, now when I dream and if I have a dream where there's some sex involved, I never finish in my dream. I always wake up. Like I could be very aroused, but I would never finish in my dream was as a teenager. Oh yeah, it was all done. Hmm. And let me assure you that I was masturbating. Regularly. It was a regular oh, interesting. activity. Interesting. Maybe you forgot a day. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Did you like masturbate every day as a teen? Uh, I don't recall exactly the frequency, but it was it was frequent enough. Yeah, like once a day or once every other day. Definitely. Oh, I'm glad you're saying that because some people are so concerned about how often they masturbate. They're like, oh, I do it every day. Is that too much? But no. I mean, it's. I think I turned out okay. I think so too. I, I, think, I think everything turned out just fine. Yeah. I definitely had my days where I did it more than once. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. And that was back in the day when you didn't have... There was nothing. There was... Oh my goodness. Kids today, when you say that line, you have access to so much visual stimuli. I had nothing. I had the squigglies. You had a poster on if your wall? If anybody knows what the squigglies are, then it's the late night show where you might see a nipple, you might see some sort of nudity. You didn't know what gender it was, but it was enough to make it happen. And it was, yeah. So yeah, I'm jealous of what everybody has access to it's today. It's true. It's true. Well... It's interesting to talk about sex dreams because I love having sex dreams because I feel so relaxed when I wake up. I don't think I have an orgasm. We've talked about this before too. We've had sex in our sleep. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I love that. I don't know if I was, we were asleep, but not asleep. It was like the touching and the arousal happened for me in my sleep, but then I woke up while we were having sex. Oh, I, I don't think know I've if slept you, right through you, it. Yeah, you were just completely asleep <laughs> all the way through. No, you're right. It's more like a grogginess that feels so good. Mm -hmm. This person was also asking, like, how can I make sure I have a sex dream? What can I do to increase my likelihood of a sex orgasm? I mean, I don't think you can have them on demand, but I think we could suggest that maybe fantasizing before you go to bed might increase the likelihood of you know having it on your mind and maybe it shows up in your dreams but i don't have the data to support that but it's worth a try i'd love to know what the answer is to that because it'd be great to start incorporating that into my pre-sleep regimen <laughs> all right so from orgasms to some more questions i want to power through a few of these this person has a whole bunch of questions about diet and your vagina and ph levels and vaginal secretions and probiotics um and they really just want to know how your diet affects your vagina and so your diet, whatever you eat, affects your overall health. So it follows that it affects part, you know, your vaginal health to a degree because your vagina is a part of your body. So this means that basically if you eat a healthy balanced diet, which of course varies from person to person, and I can tell you what that is because for some people a healthy balanced diet includes, I don't know, for example, lots of rice and bread. And for other people, it doesn't. Everybody's different. But generally, if you're eating a balanced diet that's good for you, it can reduce general inflammation, it can improve immunity, and by extension, it can reduce the risk of infections, which is good for the vagina. It's possible that a balanced diet can support a healthy pH, but there are also other factors 
factors at play. In terms of probiotics, the theories that probiotics can help by introducing live microorganisms that could address some of the, the conditions that are believed to be caused by bacterial imbalance, so like yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis. And then when I actually look at the evidence, like I kind of looked at some summaries of research, it's not conclusive as to whether or not oral ingestion of probiotics will directly affect vaginal bacteria. This definitely isn't my area of expertise, but I will say if something's working for you, like if you find eating yogurt um, makes you feel good down, down in your vaginal area, then then do it. And if you find it doesn't affect you in any way, that's okay too. There's, there's a bunch of questions in here about <laughs> taste. So what can you eat to make sure you taste super sweet down there? Um, what about pineapple? And I can't find any studies that directly link food ingested with vaginal taste but of course we hear from so many people who will say that pineapple fruits vegetables tend to lead to a sweeter taste right like generally speaking we hear that sweet fruits natural juices lead to a sweet taste and then things like coffee and cigarettes and you know asparagus i was just gonna say asparagus <laughs> can lead to a more bitter taste i mean we we smell it in our pee almost immediately but the thing is you don't pee out of your vagina so brandon <laughs> I, I do know that but thank you for reminding me i think if you really want to know how foods affect your vaginal taste i would just suggest tracking your own food intake and tasting your own vaginal secretions and see if you notice a difference over the course of you know two to four weeks and i think it's also important to remember that your body's natural secretions change if you have a menstrual cycle so some of the shifts in taste won't be related to diet and if you do do this to this person send us a note about it. We love to hear your feedback. Actually, last week on Instagram, hundreds of people <laughs> sent messages about the penis size podcast and whether or not they think penis size matters. So uh, hopefully next week I can go through some of those and share some of the responses. So if there is something you want shared on this podcast, do send it over our way. They're asking about hydration, if that can change the taste. I really don't know. I think, you know, staying hydrated is good for your overall health. And so again, your vagina is a part of that health. So yeah, drink lots of water. And then they're also asking how much food do I need to eat to change the taste of my vagina? And this is where we run into differences between, I think, what happens in a lab versus what happens in real life right so like if we take you know research with garlic for example contains a property allicin that has been shown to kill yeast which can of course affect taste in laboratory studies but the thing is you're not putting cloves of garlic in your vagina and taking garlic supplements orally is really unlikely to kill yeast in the vagina so just because a food is linked with a beneficial bacteria doesn't mean that eating it will send this good bacteria straight to the vagina so i think just kind of from a common sense perspective we just need to eat what feels and tastes good for you um, wash your vulva not the vagina, just vulva with water and let it breathe when you can. Like, I'm not wearing underwear right now. Are you freeballing it? I'm not freeballing it, but thank you for asking. <laughs> and then I also want to say you'd probably taste really good. Just taste yourself and get comfortable with your own taste because that vagina really is a self-cleaning oven. And sure, like there can be infections. So can every other part of your body. And so I just want people to feel decent, you know, about the way they taste. I think that's really interesting to say taste yourself if you're curious as to what you taste like because I, I i know that guys will and maybe maybe i'm wrong but you know men that that want their cum to taste a certain way if you were to ask them to taste their own cum they probably wouldn't have you tasted your cum i'm sure i have i haven't consciously done it like, oh you I haven't, haven't like like no even tasted. when you were young nope were you ever curious or like what held you back from tasting it 
Um, I'm not sure what held me back. I'm, I'm sure that there was a, a discomfort with, I think growing up, reflecting back on my situation, there was shame around uh, masturbating and orgasming coming. And I think that there was something, I was told that it, it, I don't know where this came up, but that it was dirty, right? So the idea of, of like tasting your own cum just seemed really weird, but the expectation for somebody else to do it is so contradictory, right? So I, I'm sure that I have done it. I haven't consciously done it. Would you do it the next time you come? Um, and come tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then come and, and report back. I'm like, asparagus, bitter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? I tastes like chicken. I should. There's nothing wrong with doing it. So yeah, I will do it. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, today. Today's your day. Well, I don't know that I'm going to go do it right now. No, but, not in the right but, now, but later. At some point, I will do it in the very near future. Yeah, I wonder if people with vaginas are more open to tasting themselves than people with penises. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I I would I would assume. Actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm thinking just the internalized homophobia for men is like anything that I go near any penis, including myself, my own, mm-hmm. is somehow a problem. Even though you touch your penises all the time. Yeah, definitely. Or and, and again, that goes back to the whole, you know, stimulating the anus and trying to stimulate the, the prostate, right? It's the idea that if you were to do that, you're, I grew up that, okay, if you did that, you're gay. So ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like the idea of associating one specific sex act with a particular sexual orientation when sexual orientation is so much more than a sex act. Not only that, but how much pleasure can you derive from stimulating the prostate? Right. Right? Like how much am I, was I, am I missing out on? Right. Well, when you really think about it, all of these layers of shame and stigma and stereotypes and homophobia, misogyny, transphobia, that holds us back in every area of life. Yeah, toxic masculinity at its at its finest, right? I think there's also a fear, too. When I look at some of the toys, I'm like, <laughs> I have to put that in right now to make it feel good. Like, I need to relax a whole bunch, a whole bunch. Yeah, you can start with a smaller one, though. Yeah, there have been some great recommendations. I remember Carlisle talking about using, was it Carlisle or Luna? talking about using the knuckle your knuckles mm-hmm. and you know just stimulating the outside like you don't have to go, go into just putting a few fingers in there uh you know work your way up like you do with most other things that you learn to enjoy absolutely and we have some old podcasts on yeah. prostate play and anal play that people can go check out all right uh we do have more questions to get to and i don't know if we took too long but we were running out of time so we're going to leave them for next week uh once again want to say thanks so much for tuning in uh, congratulations to jonathan s who will be receiving his we vibe touch in the mail shortly uh thanks so much for sending those questions in please do keep them coming want to give a big shout out to our sponsor adamandeve.com they are still offering 50% off almost any item plus free shipping plus a bunch of free gifts with code Dr. Jess D-R-J-E-S-S at adamandeve.com they sell everything under the sun so if you do want to put something up your butt they've got you covered <laughs> if you want you know to clamp something over your nipples they've got you covered if you want lingerie if you want a wedge so you can get your butt higher at a higher angle without having to engage the abs they've got you covered <laughs> adamandeve.com code dr jess thanks so much for chatting babe thank you and it was fun thank you for listening folks we'll be back next week have a great one you're listening to the sex with dr jess podcast improve your sex life improve your life.